Um, so I want to discuss today, of course, the Parsha of uh, Korach. And we'll, part, we'll discuss one in the, uh, in the beginning, and, um, and then a little, bit, uh, uh, a little bit later on about the, uh, the Levim. Also, we'll discuss a little bit. Um, so let's just review a little bit of the Parsha, just to go through over the story. So we have Vayikach Korach. So Korach, he starts up together with Datan Raviram. They start up a fight with uh, with Moshe. Okay? And they also gathered up some 250 uh, leaders of the community. They were respectful people. They were Anshe Shem people of name, of renowned, people of renowned, and they all gather against Moshe and Aaron, and they say to them, sufficient to you, we are all holy, Hashem is amongst all, you have no reason to hold yourself higher than the rest of the, the community of Hashem. And Moshe listens to this, and he falls on his face, because they had already several times continued to sin against Hashem, so he's all upset about it. So, he speaks to Korach and he tells them, in the morning Hashem is going to let us know who is the one that he chooses, and he tells them to each one take a pan, and he tells them that they should put uh, fire onto the pans, they should put the incense onto it, and the day, the next day Hashem will show who is the one that he chose, who is holy. And then Moshe speaks to Korach and he says, it's not enough for you that God separated you from the rest of the Jewish community, that you serve in the Mishkan, and now you are Levites and you're also asking for Kahuna. So he is, uh, he says to them like this, so therefore he says, he says, you and all your people that are gathering up on Hashem. Uh, so there's no reason to complain against Aaron. So anyways, then Moshe goes and sends for Dosan Vaviram, And they answer very disrespectfully to Moshe. And they said, it's not enough that you take, took us out from a land that flows milk and honey. They were referring about Egypt. You, bring, you brought us to kill us in the desert. You're also trying to dominate us. They said, you never did what you promised. You didn't bring us to no land of flows of milk and honey. Uh, even if you poke out our eyes, we're not gone. All right. So Moshe got very upset. And he says to Hashem, Shem, don't turn to their gift. I didn't even take one donkey of them. I never did anything wrong to any of them. So, Moshe says to Korach, he says, you and your community, you all be ready tomorrow, you should take, together with the 250 people, the leaders, take your pans, and they took their pans, they put fire, and then all the community were gathered by Korach, he was mocking them, and then here we have in Pasuk Chof, Hashem says to Moshe and Aaron to say, separate yourself from this community, I will destroy them instantly. And here is what we're going to discuss a little bit over here, what says the next verse. So, they both, they fall on their faces. 
that's Vayiplu al Pnehem. So Moshe and Aaron fall on their faces, Vayomru, and they say, Kale, God, Elikei Haruchais, you are the God of spirits, or you are the God of thoughts, meaning you know the thoughts of people. Chobasu, you know what everybody thinks. And the argument was, Ha'ish echod yechato, shall one person sin and you get angry on the whole community? What does that mean? So Rashi explains like this. So Rashi says, You Hashem, Yodeya Machshavos. You know people's thoughts. And Rashi adds, Rashi says like this, Your measure is not like the measure of a king of flesh and blood. You know, a king of flesh and blood, if part of the country sins against him, he doesn't know who is the one, the sinner. So when he gets angry on the people, so then he collects from all of them. He basically punishes everybody. But you, you know all thoughts, so you know who is the one that sinned. So basically, again, so what they were saying to Hashem, Kel Elikei Haruchos, you are the God, you understand, you know the thoughts of the people. So why would you do such a thing? Ha'ish Echod Yechato, shall one person sin, Valkola Eido Tikitzoyf, and then you will get angry on everybody? Why should you? Because Hashem said earlier, as we just read, Hashem says, separate yourself from this community. I will instantly destroy all of them, Hashem said. So Moshe Rabbeinu's argument to Hashem was, why would you destroy everybody since you are the one that knows the thoughts of the people? So you really know who's the one that sinned against you. Could one person sin and you punish everybody? And Rashi further says, one man is the sinner and you will anger in everybody. So Hashem responds and He says, You've spoken well. You've said well. You're correct. I am going, I know, and I'm going to let know who is the one that sinned and who is the one that didn't sin. So, the Rebbe asks a few questions, many questions, but I'm just going to address a few of them. Over here, they give you an example of saying that Hashem's measure is not the measure of a human being in which a portion of the city uh, people sin against him and he will go ahead and collect from everybody. But the truth of the matter is, if we are talking, the Rebbe is going to give you a very interesting insight over here. Because in the simple thing, it doesn't really make sense, this example that Rashi is saying over here. is really in the case that a human king would punish all of the country, even though only some sin. Let's say he doesn't know who is the one that committed the crime. We don't know who did the sin. 
Is that a reason? I mean, if you're talking about a decent, you're talking about a just and a fair king, if he doesn't know who is the one that sinned against him, he's not going to just arbitrarily go kill everybody because he doesn't know. So what does Rashi mean to say, Ein midoscho kemidas basar vadom? Rashi says that a melech basar vadom, a king of flesh and blood, shesorcha all of miktsas medina, if some of the country has sinned against him, he doesn't know who sinned. When he gets angry, therefore, he collects from all, day, he punishes everybody. That's not really the case. Not if he's a just king. He doesn't know, he doesn't punish. He, he sends uh, uh, people to find out. Or why would we punish people that... Um, we don't know if they've sinned or not. Doesn't seem to be a fair example to say that. Then Moshe Rabbeinu's argument was: Can one person sin and you get angry on the whole community? How could Moshe argue that only one person sinned? I mean, people can say it's like metaphorically speaking. For one person, it doesn't mean literally, but. It still says, Ha'ish Echad, Moshe Rabbeinu said, Ha'ish Echad Yecheto, can one man, man sin? And you get angry for the whole community. But how could Moshe argue that only one person sinned? When in the Pesukim it says many times that they all ganged up on, on, on Moshe. We read, I read through this Pesukim, they were all in it. So why does Moshe say, Oh, you're going to punish everybody for the sin of one. If he at least said some of them, you see, you want to punish even those who did the sin. But Moshe seemed to say that it was only one person. But it wasn't one person. They were all ganging up. Could it be the leader? Yes. The yes. Yes. Now, it also says, Rashi says that Hashem says, Amr HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem says, Yafe or Marta. You've said well. You've spoken well, Hashem says. Ani yedeya umedia michotu melechotu. Yafe Marta means you said well. You said well means what? You said, is one person going to sin? So basically, Hashem says, you said correct. I'm not going to punish everybody. I'm going to punish this one person, it seems. And then he punishes at the end, well, who does Hashem punish at the end? He punishes three. Look what it says verse, further on in the verse. The verse it says, so God says to Moshe saying, speak to the community saying, get away from around the dwellings of Kodach, Doson, and Aviram. And Moshe went, got up, he went to Doson, Aviram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he speaks to the community saying, Remove, please, from the tents of these evil people. Don't touch anything that is, belongs to them, lest you might become swallowed, you'll be dragged along together with all their sins. So they all went up from the dwelling of Korach and Dosun Aviram. And Dosun Aviram went out. They were standing arrogantly at the entrance of their doors, their women, their children, the babies. And Moshe says, now, 
now you will know that Hashem sent me to do all these things. They weren't, I didn't make them up from my heart. If these people will die, like all normal people, and uh, they will uh, be gone like all people go, then Hashem didn't send me. But if Hashem will create a new creation, and the earth will open up its mouth, it's going to swallow them and everything that belongs to them, and they will descend alive into the uh, ground, then you will know that these people have gotten Hashem angry. Soon as he ended up speaking these words, the earth split that's under them, and the mouth opened up its mouth, the earth opened its mouth, swallowed them in with their homes, and all the people that were to Korach and his all uh, belongings, all of his assets. And they and all of them went down alive into the Sha'il, into the ground, and the earth covered, and they were lost from the community. So, we see how many people were punished over here. We see basically three with their families. It was Korach, Dasson, and Aviram. Right? Those were the three. So how does Hashem say to Moshe Rabbeinu, you've said well that one person sinned and everybody will get punished. So A, everybody sinned. B, what does it mean you said well? This was the questions that the Rebbe asks. And the Rebbe brings down, similar to what uh, Janice suggested earlier, that there's two levels of sin. A is one who incites others. In other words, they start, they started off. And B is those who go along with the instigator. Okay? The sin of the two is not the same. If you look very carefully, Rashi chooses his words very carefully. Rashi says, you see, a sin is called a chait, or a sinner is called hachoite. Rashi brings down, says a king, shesorcha olav. Sorcha olav means Sorcha means like protrude, bad smell, which means that they've done something against him partially of the country, have done bad against him. But it means, it doesn't mean that they are people that actually sin in the sense that they took it on themselves to go ahead and cause the sin. The main sin over here was that they were uh, adversaries and they were fighting against Moshe Rabbeinu, right? That was the main sin. So, this was something that Korach himself was the one that was responsible for that, and that was not something which all the Yidden, all the Jews went along. However, so what Rashi is saying over here is, when you talk about a human king, if everybody since he doesn't know who instigated it and he didn't he doesn't know so he can't make a distinction between since at the end of the day everybody did wrong because they all uh, went along so therefore he ends up punishing all of them not because they're not innocents uh, at all because 
when somebody instigates you or somebody pushes you to do something wrong, that doesn't mean that you have an excuse to say, oh, you know what, this one told me to do so, or this person pushed me. You don't have a, 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 an excuse for that. You're responsible, but still, the sin of the person going along is not equal to the person who actually instigated caused the whole trouble. So if a human being, a king, he's not going to punish people that are totally innocent out of it, but a human being who can't figure out who is the one that instigated and who went along, he might punish all of them because at the end of the day, they all deserve the punishment. But he is saying to Hashem, you know who is the sinner. Is one person going to sin? Really? One person's sin means the instigator, the real sin of it. One person is the one that is in charge and caused this whole ruckus to begin with. So is that man going to see and you know all thoughts? Are you going to be angry and everybody at the same level? So what has Hashem said? You're right. When Hashem says is right, He doesn't mean to say you're right that only one person sinned. No, that didn't mean that. What Hashem means to say you're right that there should be a difference. I'm going to let you know. You think that there was only one person that sinned. In Moshe Rabbeinu's estimation, who is the one that instigated, who caused the whole trouble in his estimation? It was Korach. Even Dasan Vaviram, who were disrespectful, they answered him arrogantly, they were disre- disrespected him, but yet Moshe Rabbeinu didn't think that they were the source, that they were the cause of all of the trouble. So therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu said, Aish Echad, one person, because he thought it was only one person. He thought it was only Korach. When Hashem says you're right, Hashem was only saying to the extent that you're right that not everybody should be punished since Hashem knows what the people are, so not everybody is punished. So this answers the question, what Hashem says you said well. But this also teaches us a tremendous lesson and to appreciate the level of, I guess, humility, as we learned last week, or the level of not judging anybody of Moshe Rabbeinu. Because even people that opposed him, he didn't really imagine that those people are really the sinners. He thought that maybe the sinner could be only one, only Korach. That's why he said, Ha'ish Echad, one person will sin. He thought it was only him. Hashem says you're right, but you're not right in the fact that you think there's only one. There's actually three of them, and that's why when Hashem punished them, He ended up punishing all three of them. And this tells us of how much we have to be careful in trying not to judge other people, not to uh, pass uh, anger at other people even if we think it or it appears to us that they may have done wrong to us. But no, 
we can't know for sure, so therefore we can't really pass judgment. But Moshe Rabbeinu was told by Hashem, no, he will tell him the truth. And then later on, so this is one 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 issue. There's another uh, mention that I wanted to mention is um, there's another mention, another item. So after Korach fights and he wants to hold, he wants to become the Kohen and he makes the trouble. So then in the end of the, later on in the Parsha, in the Korach, Hashem says like this, I'm going to give the Levites, the son of the Levites, I'm going to give them all the tithing in Israel as an inheritance. You know, you have to tithe your, the crops, the crops, the tithing goes to the Levites. Uh, and that is as an exchange for the service that they serve in the uh, tent of meeting. They served in the Mishkan, they get this tithing. But the Jewish people shall not come close anymore. They wanted to bring like the Korach, they want to bring their own incense. Uh, they can't come anymore, so they will carry a sin to die. Then it says... And the Levi, he will serve. So, what will he serve? He will serve the service of the Oyel Moyed. The Levi will serve the service of the Oyel Moyed. What does it mean the Levi will serve the service of the Oyel Moyed? They will have to guard the Oyel Moyed. They will protect it. They will make sure they will carry the sin. This will be an eternal statue for, the, for, for generation. They're not going to get an inheritance. The Jewish people are going to support them. They're going to give them the tithing. For the tithing of the Bnei Yisrael, I gave it to them. There's an interesting Zohar. The Zohar makes note of the verse over here the Ovad Halevi who this word up this word who you see that I'm pointing out the word who see who that I'm putting it I just bolded it up Ovad Halevi who you see the word who this seems like an extra word here See, let's take out the word who for, her, for a second. What would it say? The Levi will serve the work of the oil moyed. What does it say? He, again, it says, Who? The Levi will, the Ovada Levi, he. Why does it say again, the Levi will work who? The Zohar makes an interesting observation. On a spiritual level, the Zohar says, the Levi works the who. What is the who? The he. What's the difference when we say ata or we say who? Ata is when you're present. In Hebrew it's called nochach. It's present. I'm talking to you in a way that I see you. When I talk about somebody that's called Loshan Nistar, in a hidden way, 
I talk about him. I say who. The Zohar says, Hashem has two aspects to him. Hashem has the Atah, you. That's the area where Hashem is known to us. That's the area where Hashem is known to us. That's the level of Atah. When we say, Baruch Atah Hashem. So we're saying, Baruch Atah. Atah is you. You, that's talking to a level of Hashem that you, in front of you, which means a level of revealed Hashem. When you say about Hashem who, he, you're talking about a level of Hashem which is obscure, which is distant, which is not understood, which is away from you. So, that's why the Zohar explains over here that uh, the meaning of the verse is that what the Levites are doing, says the Zohar, they are taking the who, they're taking the part of Hashem which is obscure, which is not in front of us, and they're taking that who, and they're making it, bringing it down into a level that we can sort of appreciate it. So in a discussion of the Rebbe and this week's Parsha, so the Rebbe explains over there that when a person needs to employ of an own self, now all these messages, what the Levi does, he takes the hidden, he takes the nister, he makes it begilu, he makes it reveal, is something that we have to work on ourselves in our lives to take the hidden part of Hashem that is obscure and make it open and make it clear so make it relevant to us. And basically, he says, these are the two aspects, the two brains, the two parts of the brains. As we know, Chachma and Bina. Chachma is called father. Bina is called mother. So, Chachma and Bina, the father and mother, when we use our brains, we use the brain of father, and we use the brain of mother, so just like physically a child is born through the intimacy of the father and the mother, that gives birth to a child, and likewise, the birth of an emotion, of the person's uh, feelings, and of love and fear, and awe, and all the midos that is created from these two brains, from the brain of the father and from the brain of the mother. But there's a big difference what it comes out. The father brain is, the intellect is a level of ma. Chochmah is spelled, if you see, this is the word. Chochmah spells out koach ma. This is the level of chochmah, meaning a power of what? Like Menachnumah, we read it earlier in the Parsha. They said, "Why? what are we? When Korach was fighting with Moshe, he says, what are we? We're nothing. They're, don't fight with us. We're Ma. We are not something. So that, so the level of the intellect, of the brain of the intellect, 
brings about in the person a level of feeling of subjugation in front of the greatness of Hashem. It's also a level of coldness. That's sort of a level of Yiddish Boishas. And then you have the mother brain. The mother brain, that's Bina. Uh, That takes the greatness of Hashem into a clear, in a tangible way, to create a powerful love with the sparks of fire to Hashem. So when we daven, we have to have these two levels, the Alter Rebbe says over here. Uh, The level of the mother is that level creates that tremendous rush to want to go up and include it above by this great powerful love like a flame and that is created from the person's reflection, meditation that is the brain of the mother and it says Bina, that level of understanding is in, quoting from a Pasuk, that creates the level of running and rush to Hashem but the brain of the father is a cold, it's a calculated, which is what follows after the rush to Hashem. There has to be, as it says in the book of Yitzira, that when your heart runs, you got to return back to one, which is a level of awe, an, a level of, in the presence of Hashem, it's a level of, of in, in a sense, a level of yiras boishes, of shame, you know, in the presence of God, you know, how could I, you know, it's not a level, you can't run anymore, because you feel Hashem is here, you lose yourself, that's called the moichin da'abo. But the Rebbe says, notwithstanding that the brain of Chochmah is on a higher level, Chochmah and Bina, Chochmah is on a higher level than Bina, but the ultimate goal is, that we have to illuminate the body. We want it to come down in the physical body. That comes through a revealed love that's from the mind of Bina, from the mother, into the which is closer to the body. So notwithstanding that the intellect of Chochmah is on a higher level, greater, but it's not tangible, it's not practical. It doesn't come down in your physical, ultimately the purpose of this is all gold. All, all the goal is to bring down an open level of love to Hashem. So we need to experience that revealed level uh, which comes through the brain of Bina, through the mother, that comes through the understanding that creates all these holy uh, emotions. And afterwards you have to bring down into them the light and the shine of the brain of the Father. This was the service of the Levim. We said, He worked the who, which means they took that emotions, that love and fear, uh, which were hidden, take that who, the hidden world, bring it, open it. That comes through reflection, meditation. When you reflect, you take that hidden love, which is in your uh, subconscious, you bring it down openly. And that is what it also was a song. They used instruments and they sang. And there's various different kinds of instruments. The ladies used different kinds of instruments. They had horns, 
they had an organ, they had a harp, they had drums, and uh, all these different kinds that expresses various kinds of revealed emotional excitement that you get that's open. Because sometimes a person feels a tremendous joy and happiness and wants to dance, you know, from his great excitement. And sometimes there is a an, 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 an excitement, a bitterness, a broken heart. And that's what we have. We have the shofar, which gives fear. And then you have the other, like the uh, organ, the other, the ugov, which bring about joy and happy. And this was all the work of the uh, Levine. So the bottom line is, while we need both, but the ultimate goal is to infuse yourself, that you should be infused with that level of love in an open and an excited way. We need to be passionate, we need to be excited, we need to be in love with Hashem. And we're also coming up uh, on the Gimel Tammuz, on the Yorzeit of the Rebbe, which is on Thursday. So I want to speak a couple of minutes about the Gimel Tammuz. And, you know, we talk about the Rebbe's leadership, uh, that it continues. So, number one, a, he infused so much energy to continue until the coming of Mashiach. It's somebody who would give, he energized his Hasidim and the world jury. Excuse me, Naomi, could you uh, put that on mute? Because we hear the water. Oh, oh. sure, sorry. No problem. So, the, um, the, um, the, when you give so much energy and you gave so much guidance so that even after the Rebbe's physical absence, he still, he pushed, he rolled the ball so strong that the ball keeps on rolling, it keeps on moving. So that's one aspect. But B, it's more than that. The Rebbe continues to energize. It's not like left over from before, but as we speak today, he continues to energize with even more strength as the Alter Rebbe speaks in the Tanya, that at Sadiq, after his passing from the world, his relationship to the people in the world is even greater and stronger, and it's no longer limited, and it's no longer uh, affected by distance, by space, by any of the other things that might have interfered with the Rebbe's uh, blessings and energy to get to the Hasid. But I want to say something here which you know I've said many times but I think it's an important message and I want to bring down from the Chumash in the beginning in the Pasuk which talks about when Yaakov passed away so this is in the portion of Ayichi in Pasuk Lamed Gimel it says Vayichal Yaakov Letzavis Hezbonov so Yaakov concluded instruction his sons so then, by Yesef Raglov El Hamito. So he gathered his legs onto the bed. Then it says, by Yigva. And he expired. By Yosef El Amov. And he was gathered into his people. Passed away. So Rashi explains over here. By Yosef Raglov means, Hichnis Raglov. He 
put in his feet. And then Rashi makes a note over here. It says, Vayigva Vayeosef. He expired and he was gathered in. So Rashi says, Umisa Loy It doesn't say he died. There's no mention. It doesn't say, Vayigva Vayomos, Vayosef If you compare this to earlier Psukim, it says they expired and he died. But here it says, Umisa Loy Nemraboy. That, it doesn't say that he died. And Rashi says, Our teachers of blessed memory said, Yaakov Avinu Lo Meis. Yaakov, our father, did not die. This is from the Talmud. In the Talmud it says he didn't die. Now Rashi doesn't go into any details. Rashi just says, he points to you, it says in the Chumash, it doesn't say that he died. It just says, Vayigva Vayosef. He expired and he was gathered in. It doesn't say that he died. He didn't die. So, in the Talmud, it goes on and has a further discussion. So the Talmud says, what do you mean he didn't die? But it, it says in the Pasuk later on that they buried him they embound him, they eulogized him, they carried his coffin up to Hebron, they buried him in the Morris of Machpelah, with the whole thing. What do you mean he didn't die? How could you say he didn't die? But you see, right here, it does say that he was gathered to his people. There is just, it doesn't say die, but that doesn't. So what does that mean? That he expired, he was gathered to his people, they buried him. The Gemara says, what it means, the Gemara says, Mazari b'chaim, avu b'chaim. If his children are alive, he is alive as well. So, here, we see from the Gemara that somehow it's up to his children. If his children are alive, basically that means he's alive as well. What does it mean when somebody dies? When somebody dies means that he's no longer effective. It doesn't mean just that he moved, that he now he's buried for or not. Dies means a cessation, an end, completion, a new era, something else. That's gone, something new. As long as his children are alive, as long as they continue the legacy, they continue the message, they continue to live with them. He didn't really die. When die means it ended, it didn't end, it continues. So, what it means is, he expired, yes. They buried him, yes. He was gathered into his place, yes. But he didn't die. Die means it didn't finish. Nothing ended, because it still continues. So basically, as long as the Rebbe's work continues, and he sends a shluchim, they go, we work, we do, the Rebbe didn't die. We can say like by Yaakov, he's still alive. I want to show you something very, very interesting. In a few verses later, I bring down here, after they buried him, they came back, and they came back to Egypt, all the brothers, and now they're back with Yosef. Look what it says in Pasuk Tezvav. This is like several verses later. It says, Vayiru Ache Yosef Kimei The brothers of Yosef saw 
that their father, what does this word say? What is mace. This? Mace! We just said no mace. But here, look, look at this. This goes a bunch of verses later. It says the brothers saw that the father died. So what happened? So they said, Yosef might condemn us because the father is not there anymore. He's going to return to us all the evil, everything bad that we've done with him. He's going to pay us back now. But here it says that the brothers of Yosef saw that their father died. What does it mean they saw? Rashi explains. What is this that they saw? All of a sudden they saw that the father died. What is it that they saw? Rashi says very precisely, They recognized that he died by Yosef. They saw by Yosef. They saw that he died. Why? So Rashi says like this, They were accustomed to eat with Yosef on his father's table. On Yosef's table. They all ate together. And because of the honor of his father, he was bringing them close. He made them feel good when his father was alive. And Yaakov died. He no longer reached out to them. He stopped curving them. So that's why it says, all of a sudden they see our father died. Something changed. We can't say anymore that our father is alive. That what went on before is still going on now. Because they saw that the father is dead. How do they see? They see that the brothers with Yosef, they no longer got along. They're not anymore as close as they used to be. What does that mean? That means that there is a cessation. That something is dead now. The father's message, the father's presence is missing. Because when the father was alive, they were all together. And now when the father is no longer here, all of a sudden, they see that he is misosan, that it's his, that he died. So this becomes an issue. But eventually we learn that Yosef actually showed them that he loves them and he cares about them. But here is a tremendous message and a lesson for us. We all, of course, we said before, the Rebbe continues to energize us, continues to live on Loimais as long as we, the followers of the Rebbe, as long as we keep the Rebbe alive. We keep the Rebbe alive by treating each other, by keeping the Rebbe's message alive. We don't want anything that was by the lifetime of the Rebbe when he was physically with us to stop. If those things that were with the Rebbe was with us, if they stop, that means actually that there is Misa, that there is a cessation. Then you see that Kimei Savihim. It is only 
only if we continue to love each other, to care about each other, to behave in a way that we respect each other and sensitive to the other one's needs, the way we did it and the way we behaved and the way it was important to us during the Rebbe's lifetime, then we can truly say that Yaakov Avinu lo emes. And that's something important now as we come to Gimel Thomas. We want to rededicate the Rebbe's memory and the Rebbe's lessons and the Rebbe's uh, guidance. The Rebbe said that uh, we should get together and reflect and do. The Rebbe is never for just speeches and nice words and uh, getting excited like we uh, learned before, but we want to actually bring it into action. That excitement should actually lead to doing, to reaching out to people. We learned this morning in a letter of the Rebbe, we learned, the Rebbe said that you never know besides the fact one person is a whole world. You know that the world was created just with Adam. Why? Because to tell us that one person is a whole world. So just helping one person, bringing them close to Yiddishkeit, helping them, is already bringing in a whole world. But especially when you think about it, not only that, if you change a person's life for the better, their children and their grandchildren, great till the end, so that's an endless amount. You're doing them a favor, not to one person. Rebbe says all efforts and all hardships is worth it. It's worth it way to be able to make a difference and help out one person because that's a whole world, that's for eternity. So we should, that's what the Rebbe wanted us to do. Um, the Rebbe said we shouldn't just be Bafferbrengen. But the Rebbe said we should participate, we should be part, meaning we should all gather together. And I'm not sure if you, those who are you, are not on my uh, WhatsApp. I broadcast over there. There will be a special Zoom meeting tomorrow uh, in which the whole entire Chabad, all over the world, all over the world, a Zoom. I'm not sure the technology over there, but they're expecting hundreds of thousands of people getting together to be inspired on the day and the eve of the 3rd of Tammuz Rebbe's Yorzeit. Hundreds of thousands of people. That's going to take place at 2.30 tomorrow. But at 2 o'clock, half an hour before that, every local region, so New England, any all over the world, are going to have a half an hour for their community locally, which will later run in a breakout room, I guess, the way they do it. We'll have a chance to have a Fabrengen be together with their people of the community. And then from there, at 2.30, it will go over to the other parts of the entire world, which is an hour program from the OHEL, from all of us. I think it's very important for everybody to try to um, to be part of this and join if you can the Zuma too. I will also be giving a short, you know, two-minute uh, participation on behalf of Chabad Asher on the Zoom. 
uh, at the half hour from 2 to 2.30. And uh, many of my colleagues over here in New England, uh, actually which includes, you know, the larger New England, not just the eastern Massachusetts, will be there. And I think it's important for us to all get together. Now, I'm not sure if you signed up or you want to sign up. It's up to you. I have a Chabad WhatsApp. I'm not sure if you use WhatsApp. That's the way I communicate to the people. Uh, it's very difficult. But if you want, if you want, you can sign up to the WhatsApp. If you want specifically the Zoom information, send me a text or an email, and I'll be more than happy to forward you that information. And hopefully that. Uh, you can uh, participate. So let's just review quickly what we learned today. So first we talked about the uh, Korach and how uh, how the sin of the people was not the same. There were the instigators, there were the followers. And, um, and Moshe Rabbeinu thought that the only one was Korach, but at the end there was three. But they were all guilty, and we learned that nobody has an excuse but yet, a king may punish them, but Hashem knows, and therefore uh, Hashem made a distinction, and only the three major sinners are the ones that were punished with that. Um, Did Rose, 250 followers get swallowed up also, or not? No. No. Oh. no. But they died. They died. They, they, died died. they died from the fire that was separate when they bring the Katerdas. They died from the fire, from that fire itself. So who was the three, the ones who got... Swallowed in the ground. The three that got swallowed in the ground. That was his discussion. Then later on, uh, when they uh, when they, uh, when they they brought the, uh, the the pans, that's when they died. The 250, uh, they died from the fire over there, from the Katoris. So that was but this was But this was a... This was separate. We also... Um, We also would hear here. Um, we also spoke about the Zohar's interpretation about the Ovad Alevi who, that is to work on that who on the mysterious, on the hidden, to bring it down into the open, and how the Rebbe, how the Rebbe connects this with the two brains of Chochma and Bina to bring it down, the uh, excitement in a palatable way, in a way that it makes a difference, but also the level of Chochma, which is the level of the brain of Bina, which is the level of the Father. And then we finally talked about Gimel Thomas, we talked about the Rebbe's leadership, we talked about the fact that there is no, uh, by Yaakov it doesn't say died, but we also talked about, because the Rebbe continues to uh, energize, continues to energize, but we talked about that it's basically up to us, that if we continue to follow the Rebbe's legacy, and we continue to treat each other uh, in a, a brotherly way, and we respect each other, then the Rebbe is with us. But if we choose to uh, stop the things the way they were at his time, then unfortunately, uh, now we can scream and say whatever we want, but we are causing the Rebbe not to be here because we are not living with the Rebbe spirit. But fortunately, the world over we see that the Rebbe's work continues from day to day stronger, and we hope and we pray for the day real soon. Mashiach will come, will be united with the Rebbe, with all the tzaddikim. We hope that happens. Amen.